Next on BYU Sports Nation, National Championship Monday. The Ducks and Bucks in Dallas. Trevor Maddich of ESPN joins us from North Texas. A rhyme, unintentional. BYU basketball back on track. Freshman center Corbin Kafusi makes his show debut as we go two-on-one with the big fella. Plus, Brandon Davies signs with another pro team. And more good news for Jimmer Fredette. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Back to work on a Monday. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. It is Monday, January 12th. Wherever and however you're dialing, great to have you with us. What's My up? name is Spencer Linton, teamed up with the trainer of Puddles, the Oregon Duck, Jerem Jordan. Puddles? What's, that's his name? <laughs> that is his name. His name's Puddles? Not not a lot of people refer to him as Puddles. They just call him generally the organ duck, but yeah. that, that is one his of his name's names. His name's Puddles. Puddles huh. or the fighting duck. I need to share something. So so one of my brother-in-law, uh, Tommy, who works here as well, he um, he's a big Ohio State fan. So tonight we're having this family gathering for the national championship. We're going to you know, cook some food, hang out. We're not watching it together because everyone's going for Oregon that's coming to my house. He's going for Oregon, Ohio State. We had a frank conversation. It was like, look, we don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt. We're getting weird during the game. So he's going to watch it somewhere else. You're watching it by himself? No, he's, he's going to hang out with some other people that are Ohio State fans. Listen, Tommy, tonight, if you want to come watch it at my house, like I'm indifferent. So you can, you can come watch it at my house. He's if, got if plans. Like. That's nice. But th- this is sport. <laughs> that's the fun part of sports. Like if BYU is playing in a game and I'm watching on TV, I don't want to watch it with people that are anti BYU in some way. Just let me watch the game. I want to enjoy the game. Okay, Jerem, true or false? The national championship. Why would you go to the game? I'm not a fan. I'm a medium. The national championship will beat The Bachelor on ABC in ratings by a, by a ten to one margin. Uh, yeah, and I found out last week because I don't watch The Bachelor. I know your wife watches The Bachelor, has parties and stuff. That <laughs> one of the one of the girls on The Bachelor is a friend of mine from middle school, Tandra Steiner. <laughs> I wanna... had the huge uh, biggest crush ever on Naturally, Tandra in middle school. Do you want to know something funny? Okay, so like I figured Always. out that in in some ways the Bachelor is like fantasy football for for women. women. That's at, fair. At least for uh, the party goers that are are watching with my wife, they've like all picked different <laughs> characters of who they think they're going to win and given them nicknames. Those and people, stuff. those are actual people, not characters. And I'm like, but... this is this is the this is the female edition of fantasy football. It's amazing. Uh, based on what I've heard about the Bachelor, which I we've spent way too much time on the Bachelor. In fact, are we on the air? Have we started? <laughs> Oh. Let's move on to sports. National right? Championship night, the end of the college football season. Tonight's Ooh. game featuring the Ducks and the Bucks, Oregon and Ohio State playing in Dallas. College football fans wanted it, and now they've got it. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. A tremendous stadium to play at. Uh, two teams that are worthy of playing in this game. It's going to be a great game, I think. We'll break it down in a second what we think about this. But what a fun, what a fun season. And tonight's the last night of college football uh, three more NFL games left, so only four games of football if you don't count the CFL and the AFL. Uh, so it's a, little, it's a little sad that way. I wish college football did a one shining moment. The ball is kicked. And then, then there's this montage. You're like, oh, my gosh, I loved it so much. Yeah, why don't they do that? I don't know. I think you should get on that, producer Jerem Jordan. You should call your higher peeps. But inside you knew. 
I love that song. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but awesome. It's the final night of the college football season, so we naturally want to put a bow on it and on the BYU football campaign. Never! The conversation live and well on Twitter 24-7. Use the hashtag BYUSN and be a part of BYU Sports Nation. With the Twitter question. Yes. I'm just so used to saying that. What's the lasting image of the BYU football season? Use the hashtag BYUSN at Fusen Shafton. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Hordes of BYU players being helped off the field with injuries. Well, oh, that is not a laughing matter. That is one of the lasting images. I, I would propose the lasting image, if you say lasting, is kind of cool as Sucker Punch, honestly. But you look at Taysom Hill getting injured, Taysom Hill leaping over the dude against Texas, Jamal's injury, um, the 9-11 we will never forget in those unis, and that was awesome. I mean, there were a lot of awesome images from 2014, also some terrible ones. What do you think? Use the hashtag BYSN. What's for, for me, it's Taysom Hill jumping over the Texas defender. That, that was the positive that one for sure. That image just exploded on social media. And so when you're talking about one picture, one frozen moment, I think that is the image of the BYU 2014 football season. I, I think him getting, uh, Taysom getting injured will be the winner of this. Here are your BYU Sports Nation headlines and what we're talking about today. BYU men's basketball beats LMU 85-72. Uh, 17, wow. The Cougs now 14-5, RPI 51. <laughs> BYU plays at Pacific on Thursday, at St. Mary's on Saturday. We'll talk to Corbin Kafusi at the bottom of the hour. Brandon Davies signs with another pro team. Shalon in Who? France. Who? Okay, apparently LMU's Anthony Ireland has played or is playing on that team as well. Yeah, we heard that. Okay, a couple of WCC foes teaming up. He gave up on the NBA so quick. Must have been uh, dollar-dollar bills, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, money talks, man. BYU women's hoops beat Pepperdine behind a BYU record 7-for-7 three-point shooting performance by Mackenzie Morrison. Noise. Ladies have won 10 of 11. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. One game for it all. Fantastic. I mean, fantastic. And the, the best thing about it is the principle of it. The fact that the two teams that would not have made the final anyway are in the final now. And the two teams that would have been in the final didn't make it to the final, I think, validate the concept of the playoff. ESPN's Trevor Maddich offering his opinion on the college football playoff system. He'll join us from Dallas in 15 minutes to set the scene for tonight's national championship game and gives us his one lasting image from the 2014 BYU football season. Trevor is at the epicenter of the college football playoff national championship game. I mean, how long have fans been clamoring for this? I mean, almost begging for a situation like this. Tens of weeks. I mean, it has been a long time. No, it was a while. I remember reading Death to the BCS a couple years ago and thinking, yeah, a college football playoff would be awesome. They proposed a 16-team playoff. But this 14 playoff has been awesome. It has been so fun. The build-up to it, the last Saturday before the college football playoff was crazy compelling. I stayed up for Two or three extra hours just watching all the coverage of that because it was so compelling. I don't want it to expand. I think that four is awesome, maybe perfect. I don't know, six with two buys, whatever. Another day. But today is the culmination of the season, and it's been unbelievably awesome. Is there a single negative thing? I don't think so. We'll ask Trevor what he thinks later. I think some fans would say it's not enough teams. I I think that's the only negative you can draw from right now. Isn't that funny? You finally get the playoff, now people are like, we want more. No, it's good that you're left wanting. 
If you have eight, you now how become, many teams are involved? Twelve? Yeah, you don't no. want it to become diluted. No. You don't want to dilute it any more than it needs to like be. Like Arizona was ranked 10th. They don't need to be in this. They were 10th. It's just the elite of the elite. Plus, how many games are you going to play? All of a sudden, you could play 16 games. All the stats uh, and records go out the window. Do you stop keeping the playoff uh, stats with everything else? It messes everything up. This is the new era for college football, and it is very lucrative. Oregon and Ohio State are going to be pulling in some serious national notoriety tonight. And can you imagine the dollars that are going into this game? Do you know how much BYU gets from the college football playoff? It's an exact number. I don't know. $667,000. That's their cut. How many different teams are they sharing similar cuts with? Everybody. That is amazing. That's the type of money we're talking about. But BYU's not getting very much compared to everybody else. Okay, Jerem, Oregon or Ohio State? Got to ask the question, who you got tonight? Uh, Since I lived in Oregon uh, much of my childhood and one of my uh, aunt's in-law was like, you know it's Oregon, right? When I said that one time, I was like, yeah, I lived here. Uh, I'll go with the Ducks. Return of the quack, baby. Okay. I am also going to go with Oregon. I think this is a one one to two point game. (laughs) It's going to be very close. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite, I heard. Oregon is down a couple of key weapons. One on offense, wide receiver Darren Carrington. They also have a key defensive back out. And Ohio State's playing with all sorts of confidence right now. You just beat Alabama. I mean, why not beat Oregon? Yeah. So I think it's no, going it's, to be a very be a close game. game. Yeah. Now, with that said, let's rewind to Thursday, October 2nd of 2014. What a glorious day. The day before BYU played Utah State. How about the morning of when we did the okay. show at the stadium? At the stadium. And, we're stadium. Like, Great. And, and David Nixon and myself are like, there's no way Utah State wins tonight. Okay. The beginning of the end. BYU 4-0. Why are you bringing eight, this up? Number 18 in the country. The non-P5 <laughs> darlings of college football. There were more than a few people across BYU Sports Nation wearing the oversized blue goggles. Absolutely. Thinking, hey, not The only- possibility at that moment was big time, right? Yes. New Year's Six, there was a chance BYU could make a New Year's Six at that point. Could okay. be involved in this new era of college football. Then it all went wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we Chronicled. We, skip, we, yes. please. Can I they skip were, this part? We're jumping over that. I know Ta- what happens next. Exactly. Taysom I've Hill seen goes this down, movie. and BYU season then becomes like a scramble to make things, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Jerem? Respectable? I don't know. I know this part. Respectable? Can we skip it? Okay. <laughs> but that brings up the question. If, if Taysom Hill stays healthy and if BYU goes undefeated. Why are we doing this? Okay. Would that, would that have been enough for them to get into a New Year's Six? Okay, you don't want to talk about hypothetical situations? What about in the future? Now we're talking. Okay. What, what will it take for BYU to get into a New Year's Six? To do that, I think we have to understand what could have happened this year. Now, there are, like BYU's access to the uh, – is it better for BYU to have a college football playoff? We're not exactly sure yet. But the access to the New Year's Six is harder as an independent – than it was for BYU in the Mountain West to get into a BCS Correct. Game. The college football playoff is the same. Like their access as an independent or a, a group of five team is the same. Yes, for the playoff. That's just playoff. the two semifinals. That's what we're but talking the about. the New Year's Six. Yes. So BYU would have to get an at-large bid. There's no automatic access like uh, Boise State into the Fiesta Bowl as a champ, uh, the best, uh, the highest-ranked champ of a, a group of five team. So BYU would have had to get an at-large bid this year over one of the following five teams. Okay. 
And if BYU's undefeated, that's the only chance they have to get into the New Year's Six, in my opinion. One loss, you're out. Uh, the at-large teams to compete with from this year in, in rank order. Baylor. Nope. What, an undefeated BYU. Would they have gotten in over Baylor? No. Number seven, Mississippi State. Nope. Number eight, Michigan State. Nope. Number 10, Arizona. I don't think so. Number 12, Georgia Tech. And, of course, TCU. No way BYU gets in over TCU. Georgia Tech, an undefeated BYU over a two-loss Georgia Tech. I don't know. It's tough for it's tough for BYU to beat up P5s in an at-large conversation. That's what would have to happen for BYU one day if they were undefeated to get into a New Year's Six. What about six. Mississippi? What about Mississippi? Ole that's, Miss. That's true. Okay, may, maybe, right? Maybe. Yes. Because Yeah, and I left out Ole Miss. Thanks for putting they, that they, in. They they were weird at the end of the season. They kind of fell off. Maybe. I I it's so tough. And, but it would still have been very tough. And here's the real question. Will BYU ever Go undefeated again. They w- they did they've done it one time, and, and I'm talking regular season. '79 they did a, an undefeated regular season, different era. '84 undefeated regular season. How many teams annually go undefeated? The two teams competing for the national championship tonight did not go undefeated. There's a and you'd think it'd be easier for BYU because they're not in a Power Five conference, right? They could tailor the schedule. What the thought is? Okay, what do you want as a BYU fan? Do you want 2015 kind of schedule where it's it's hard? BYU is going to lose some games. Uh, they might win some games that are really notable and get noticed. Do you want that kind of challenge? Uh, is BYU actually contending for a playoff spot? To me, it's the Boise State model in the WAC. That if BYU wants to compete at the national level, you play a softer schedule, play one or two meaningful games, win those, beat up everybody else, and then you're in. But it's not as entertaining or fun during the whole season and the lead-up to the season. So it depends what you want. 2015 is not a schedule conducive to a college football playoff or New Year's Six for BYU. That is the debate on whether or not you as a fan like BYU what as an independent or would you rather have them back in a group of five conference. That's the other option. Because of those things. And a lot of people think, wait it out in independence, see what else develops. We'll ask Trevor Maddich That's where we're at. Yeah. What, what he thinks coming up in just a few minutes. BYU is just under eight months away from starting their next track to a potential New Year's Six Stop. bowl game. Stop. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 236. BYU football 236 days away from Lincoln, Nebraska and the beginning of the 2015 season. got to wear season. these on that intro to the uh, countdown to the Cornhuskers. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like mine are permanently built on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if tattoos were cool oh, man. in this culture, you'd probably get the that's, blue goggles on your face. True. What is the lasting image of it, the BYU football season? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. Don't worry. At Alexanders37. You'll need this. Can't get the image of messed up ankles out of my head. Oh, mm. goodness. Oh, the yeah. ankle effect. Looking forward to a healthy 2015. Yeah. Me hashtag too. ankles. Please, please oh, stay healthy. I want to know the other tweets in the hashtag ankles. <laughs> What's in it's gotta, hashtag It's got to be ankles. like a bunch of like basketball moves with guys just getting worked or whatever. I don't the know. Pictures of yeah. dudes jacked yeah. up ankles. Like, no thanks. At Cougar underscore Nate, a roller coaster of a ride, ups and downs with a terrible sudden halt, a sinking feeling at the end. Yeah, there was a lot of bitter because there was a lot of sweet there. Up next, it's the final Maddox Monday of the college football season. Trevor joins us from Dallas as he preps for the national championship game tonight. Trevor! 
BYU Sports Nation, presented in by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation and join us by using the hashtag BYUSN. Coming up Thursday night, women's hoops versus Pacific. That's on BYU TV, 9 Eastern time. It's also on BYU Radio. Check it out. Yeah, ladies going for 11 wins out of their last 12. Nice. Joining us now for our final Maddich Monday of this football season, ESPN College Football Insider Trevor Maddich, former BYU National Champion. He's live in Dallas. Trevor, this is bittersweet. It's National Championship Monday, but as I mentioned, the final Maddich Monday. Do we have to wait another eight months to start this up again? You know what? They, they, they should have the football season go year-round so we can keep doing this. It's, there's always withdrawals after the football season ends, and this is no different. Trevor, you're in North Texas for the national championship tonight. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, let's put a collective bow on things for BYU, starting with this. What is the lasting image that you'll remember from the 2014 BYU football season? Taysom Hill lying on the ground. When he was injured... That changed everything. BYU went from a, from a team that was a, a potential New Year's Day ball team to a team that had to, to regroup to salvage a bowl season. And they did, and they d- deserved tremendous credit. And Taysom was not the only injury. There were, there were many others that were key. But I think the, the key image, the lasting image, is Taysom lying on the ground. My initial thought with that is uh, kind of coolest punch because it was the last image, unfortunately. Or Taysom Hill jumping over, uh, you know, the defender against Texas. There were some good things, but yeah, I agree with you. The uh, the one thing in 20 years we'll remember is that Taysom Hill got hurt this year. Let's push it forward, Trevor. Bronco Mendenhall announces last week he's taking back the defense. He's going to call the plays. Nick Howell will be the D coordinator, but Bronco Mendenhall is back with the defense. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, it's a lot more work for Bronco. But the thing about Bronco is that he has a feel and a knack. And sometimes, no matter how good you are, if you don't have that knack to anticipate what the offense will do, in real time, sometimes you miss opportunities to take advantage of it. And Bronco has that knack. I've talked to him several times about his style. And what he does is basically play it pretty vanilla until he has an idea of what the offense will do on a given play. And then he will call a a stunt, a slant, a blitz, a coverage, to take advantage of that particular thing. And he's got that feel. He's got that knack. Nick Howell is a smart guy. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a good defensive coordinator. But Bronco is a level above most defensive coaches in the country. And I think it's good for BYU that he's willing to take on this extra work because it will be extra work for him. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us, joining us live from Dallas on National Championship Night. Trevor, BYU in its independent state is becoming more and more of a polarizing subject. You're either for it or you're against it. Not many people in the middle. They just scheduled LSU to open the season in Houston in 2017. Where do you stand with BYU scheduling that game and their status of independence? Well, that game, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the fact that LSU would get on board with it is also a great thing. Because it gives BYU a chance to, to show that there are players on the national level at the highest levels. Now, they've got to win, and they've got to be careful not to schedule too many games like that because it'll depress the schedule. But when you have games like that, then you could, you could beat seven teams that really ought to beat, the Idahos and people like that. 
Then you schedule teams like the Boise's in there for a few games. Then you get two games like that LSU game. And if you can split them and finish this thing 12-1 and with a win over a team like an LSU, you've got a great argument to be in the New Year's Six Bowls. And on a good year when you've got uh, help, there's even a possibility of getting into the top four. Because as an independent, BYU doesn't have automatic access to the New Year's Six. They are eligible for that large bid, but it's not automatic like the champion of the group of five, the highest-rated champion. But they are still as eligible as anybody else to get into the top four. And scheduling a team like an LSU helps them to do that. It also helps them in recruiting because they can tell recruits, look, look at the schedule we've got. If you come to BYU, you will play a national schedule at the highest level against the biggest teams on the biggest stage on ESPN. And if you come here, we've got a better chance to beat them. You know, so it, you've got a good recruiting pitch. As far as the independent goes, I think it would be better for BYU ultimately to be in a Power 5 conference. But it doesn't make sense to jump into a group of five conference just so they might have an automatic bid possibly in a given year to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think they're better off waiting to see what materializes in the Big 12 and the other Power 5 conferences before they make a commitment elsewhere. Because the truth of it is, if BYU wanted to join a group of five conference, they, they would easily find one that would take them. It would be a piece of cake. The hard part is to have patience to see what materializes in the Power 5. Let's talk about the college football playoff now. All indications, Trevor, are that this has been a smashing success. Is there a single negative about the college football playoff? You know, not not a single one. And smashing success is a great way to put it. And there are a couple of reasons. I mean, this whole thing has created even more of a national market, really, for college football. Because with the BCS, there were only two teams at the top that were in the championship game. Everything else was regional. You had the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Okay, fine. But this year, it would have been Florida State and Alabama in the BCS championship game. Well, look at what's happened, though, from a standpoint of teams and fan bases in one region of the country watching desperately teams in other parts of the country. For example, at the end of the year, you had TCU and Baylor in the Big 12 desperately watching that Big Ten championship game. Now, normally, they wouldn't care what was happening in the Big Ten championship game other than a passing interest in college football. But they needed Ohio State to stumble against Wisconsin so that either Baylor or TCU could get that fourth playoff spot. And as they watched Ohio State beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing, their hearts sunk into their shoes. Well, ordinarily it would be, oh, wow, that was a good game. And that would have been it. So, Part of it created this new big interest in regional you know, rivalries and things like that. The other thing it did was it validated the committee. Because for all the problems the committee had in getting to the Final Four, they got the right four teams. And the fact that the fourth seed is playing in the final, Ohio State beat number one seed Alabama, tells you that the committee got it right. And so this whole thing is about as dead solid perfect as you can imagine, a first year being in this playoff. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, what is the atmosphere like in North Texas surrounding this national championship game? There's, there's buzz. And up until last night, the final of the uh, Dallas Cowboy game, you could feel the buzz everywhere. Now, here locally, I think it's a bit dampened because the Cowboys lost. But overall... The feeling down here is more 
than it normally is for a normal BCS championship game. And, and for the last six, seven years or so, I've uh, worked for ESPN Radio on the field at the BCS championship game doing pregame, halftime, and postgame. I'll be doing it again and this year. And so far, the feeling at this time before the game starts is much more anticipation because college football fans for years have been clamoring for this playoff. Finally, they got it. And they take ownership in it. They're partly responsible, maybe even largely responsible, for the fact that we have this playoff. And so because of that, I think that there's such amazing, tremendous interest in it. It feels a lot more like a Super Bowl than a college football championship. Oregon and Ohio State, who wins and why? Boy, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Because ordinarily, I would, Ohio State is better at every position but quarterback. And, but at quarterback, an interesting thing is going on. Cardinal Jones, the Ohio State quarterback, is the third man in because they had two other guys, Heisman candidates, injured. And unexpectedly, everything he touched turned to gold as he, he led his team to victories over Wisconsin and Alabama in the semifinal of the playoff. But I think it might be different for him in this game. Because now there are two games of tape. Alabama only had one game. And what Oregon's defense will see is that there were two overriding principles for Cardell Jones in the game plan. The first one was, use your, use your arm, not your head. They had him throw deep passes down the sideline where he didn't have to read the cover. You just had to hit the spot on the edge. When he threw over the middle, they were easy reads. When he didn't recognize what he saw, he threw the ball away. The other principle was, if something breaks, fix it with your feet, not your head. Instead of staying in the pocket or moving in the pocket and trying to decode what he saw in front of him when the pressure closed in, he just left. You'd see him drop, set, pause a beat, he's not sure, and he gets out of there, right? Well, that helped him to beat Wisconsin and Alabama. But I think Oregon will use that against him. They will do two things. First, they'll pressure him. And they will force him into doing one of those things that he does when he's not sure. Either throw it away, which gets them behind the chains, or run, which is a lot less dangerous than completing deep passes down the field. And so I think they'll pressure him. At the same time, I think that they will jump the wide receivers and cover them tight. Now, that'll be tough to do because they're really good at wide receiver, Ohio State is, and they're really fast. But it will force Cardinal Jones to throw into tight windows very accurately against man coverage. And a lot of his deep passes that were big, long touchdowns against Alabama and Wisconsin weren't very good throws. They were throws that were maybe a little bit short or throws that should have been outside on the boundary that were inside where they were vulnerable to be broken up or intercepted. Well, Alabama and Wisconsin didn't play the ball in the air very well. Oregon is much better at that. And they'll have the ability to maybe make him pay for not having those precision throws. Now, having said all that, that's what Oregon will try to do. Getting it done is a different issue. But ultimately, I think the teams are close enough that it will come down to which quarterback plays the best. And I still have to go with Marcus Mariota, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play this game, to make fewer mistakes than Cardell Jones in his third start on the biggest stage of all. So, I'm talking my way through it because until you asked me, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> but I, I'm going to pick Oregon for that reason. Return of the quack. That's right. For the, uh, the quack attack. The Marietta factor is real. I mean, he's plus 50 
when you look at touchdowns to turnover ratio, which is just bonkers. I mean, there's no question that he is the best college football player right now. However, he will be down a key weapon. Darren Carrington failed a drug test and is suspended for this game. How much not having one of those key receivers will Oregon be affected? I think it will be affected, and that's a great point because Carrington is one of his top receivers. Devin Allen, his top deep threat, is out with injury now. You've got Farrell Brown, his top tight end receiver, has been out for several weeks. Three of their top five receivers for the season are out for this game. And Ohio State, I think, will try to take advantage of that. Because we talk about man coverage with uh, Oregon against Ohio State receivers. I think Ohio State's defense will do the same. It's hard for anybody to stop Mariota. But you can stop his friends. So I expect Ohio State to man, man coverage on those receivers, dare them to get open against man coverage and put everybody else up on the line to slow down Mariota running the ball and slow down that Oregon rushing attack. That's what they did against Wisconsin. They stopped Melvin Gordon, who was a Heisman finalist, stopped him cold, and Wisconsin was not able to throw the ball. Their receivers weren't very good, and their quarterback isn't very good. So they shut him out. Well, here you've got receivers that are much better than Wisconsin's, but they're depleted. And you've got a quarterback that's much better than Wisconsin, but he's not been asked to throw the ball into tight windows as much as NFL scouts would like to do. Well, Mariota will have to do that in this game because the running game, I think, will have a lot of problems running the ball against a loaded box up front with extra people up there at the line. So to me, the key to this game for Oregon is can those young receivers beat man coverage and can Mariota throw that ball into tight windows? Well, Trevor, enjoy yourself tonight at uh, AT&T Stadium for the National Championship. And sadly, this ends Maddich Mondays. Uh, we've enjoyed it, and we look forward to uh, eight months from now. Eight months when we uh, chat again. I appreciate it. But you guys will have eight months for your backs to heal up because you've been carrying <laughs> me all season long. So I'm glad you'll get the rest. Hey, Trevor, have a great call tonight. Okay, thanks, guys. How sweet would it be to be in Dallas right now? Man. Oh, it would be fun. To feel the atmosphere and whatnot. But I thought he offered some really great insight. And, and as I, after listening to what he says, I feel like it's going to be a one- to three-point game. It's going to be close. Both teams. I, I'm very excited. Pieces. Yeah. What is it, 8.30 Eastern tonight? Yeah. 6.30 Mountain on ESPN. BYU Hoops rebounded on Saturday, getting a win against LMU. We'll talk to Corbin Kifusi. Hear from the BYU big man next. Not Bronson, Corbin. And now... Back to more BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Download the show podcast on iTunes or check it out at BYUSportsNation.com. That can. This Thursday night, men's basketball plays Pacific on the road, 11 p.m. Eastern time, so a late tip for at Post Jimmer on the East Coast. It's on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Uh, ESPNU, by the way, I was told uh, Saturday... The only game in which they're doing that experiment with no announcers was the Pepperdine game. No announcers in-house. In-house. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) Big difference. In the 70s, uh, I forgot what channel experimented with this. They did an NFL game with no announcers, period, just to see what it was like. And it was awful. People hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and call the game against Pacific on Thursday a must-win for BYU men's basketball. Uh, They lost the last time they played there. It's a must-win. Yeah. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's basketball rebounds 
after that Rebound crushing that loss to bump. Pepperdine on Thursday with a win over LMU on Saturday, 85-72. Shout out to Mackenzie Morrison and BYU women's basketball. Holler. Mackenzie set a three-point record going 7-for-7 seven seven from distance in a win at Pepperdine. And Brandon Davies signs with a new professional team in France. I believe it is Chalon or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. I have no clue. Go get that go get that money, dude. <laughs> you sound like Jamal Williams tweets. Got, gotta go get that money. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everything about money? <laughs> so this is the season of of passing significant marks for BYU basketball, yes, notably it is. Tyler Hawes. And he passed Jimmer Fredette in at least one thing on Saturday night. That brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Holler! 628. Tyler Hodge passed Jameer Frederet for number one in BYU history with 628 made free throws. That's the most in BYU history. It's fantastic. I've not, probably not taken that many free throws in my life, let alone made that many. He went seven for seven Saturday. That's 628 of his points. That's amazing. Roughly 628 (laughs) of his points, yes. That's a good chunk of his points. I mean, like almost a third of, well... About a fourth? About a fourth. Yeah, about a fourth. Holy cow. BYU number 51 in the latest RPI poll today. Big week upcoming with a must-win at Pacific on Thursday and a gigantic resume-building opportunity at St. Mary's on Saturday. Jeremy and I spoke with freshman big man Corbin Kafusi after the LMU game on Saturday. One, he's tall. And two, he's the focus of our BYU basketball all-access two-on-one. Corbin, you bounced back after a tough loss to Pepperdine. What were the hours leading up to the LMU game, which you eventually won, like as a player? You know, it was just trying to get our minds right, you know, trying to get the edge, having urgency with everything. So it takes some mental preparation, and that's kind of what everyone was trying to get at tonight. When did you realize tonight, okay, it's different than Thursday? I think, you know, just the first five minutes when we came out and they did, we came out, hit some threes, and we went up. You know, on Thursday, we went down, and so then you're trying to play catch-up. But when we started off like that, it's like, okay, we're kind of finding our groove. Corbin, you're starting to assert yourself as one of the important big men in this lineup. It's been kind of an interesting road for you to, to get to this place. How do you feel about your progress as a big man for BYU basketball? Uh, you know, I, I just accredit it all to my teammates and the coaches. You know, they're the ones that are making me what I am, and, I'm not much yet, but we're getting there, you know, slowly. How many key- people call you Bronson? Everyone. <laughs> my parents. Your my parents? Mother. Sometimes, you know, I'll be, like, trying to go do the dishes, and my mom will say Bronson, and I'm, like, turn around, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know? You're like, no, Bronson, go do the dishes. Yeah, I was like, yeah, where's Bronson at? <laughs> Is that the most annoying thing in your life? You know, I, I don't mind it anymore. We're just that close that it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it as Bronson, you know. So it's kind of fun. Has your decision to play basketball been validated at some point this year in your mind? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was validated when I made it just because of the way I felt about it. And, you know, there's, of course, ups and downs on the way things go, but you just stick with it. When did you know that you were like, okay, it, it's going to be basketball? You, was there a specific moment? I think it was after I played a pickup game in the summer here. And after that, like, Tyler called me and Kyle called me and I'm just I'm just you know just kind of oh my gosh Tyler Haas and Kyle Collinsworth <laughs> are calling me like it's kind of a big deal. Many girls have thought that same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so then there was 
I came home and I was like, this might work. And so that's kind of when it became more solidified. I've joked that this is almost like your senior year of high school in terms of basketball where you didn't play your senior year, right, at Tempio? Or did oh, you? I, I, played, I didn't play football my senior year, oh, and so I was able to play basketball, though. So my joke has been stupid <laughs> all year. But you, got, you go on a uh, – you sort of grace year before your mission, right, and then you go on a mission and you come back. It's been a long time. Uh, is, is there a giant rate of uh, progression for you since you are learning something so quickly? Yeah, I think that – just with that much time difference and not even playing, focusing straight on football, it's just changing your mind with everything. It was, it was a little bit difficult at first, especially playing organized basketball. You know, pickup ball is a lot different than organized basketball, but everyone's been helping out a ton with that, so I'm really grateful for that. We know that assistant coach Mark Pope spends a good deal of time with the big men. What's his go-to, like, reminder for you? For, for me, it's slow down. Because, you know, I get the ball and it's like like a kid at the candy store. Like, I got the ball. I got to do something with it. And so he's like, just slow down. Like, there will be a t- point when you can go fast. You know, you can spin. You can do whatever move you want. But for now, because it's a, you're trying to develop certain moves, certain skills, you got to slow down and then go to work. Describe the role that you've had on the team so far this year. Um, I think it's just kind of been, you know, I set a lot of screens. I rebound. I try to come in and just bring energy and so that's kind of what I feel like my role is. What do you like better a big block or a big dunk? Oh man that is a really hard question. I think a lot of it depends on just the manner of it. You know if you get a dunk over someone that's huge or depending on the timing of the game you get a block at a very critical point in the game you're just pumped up and so I would have to say it's up in the air on depending on the timing of it. What kind of commentary does Bronson give you about basketball? About basketball? He just, he just always says, hey, man, get in there and hit someone like I used to, you know? <laughs> He's like, got to hit someone, hit someone like I hit Olnick, oh, whatever that Kelly guy. Olenek? Yeah, Olenek. He's like, you got to hit like me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a thug, bro. I'm like, I'm not going to foul out. I don't think Coach would like that very much. <laughs> With Corbin Kifusi, <laughs> freshman center here. Corbin, you and I share something in common. We both served two-year LDS missions in South Korea. At this point, I just go away. Do you ever do you ever talk trash in Korean? I. That is a good idea. No, <laughs> no, but I will like, you know, I will say things to myself. As you know, like the culture in Korea, you talk to yourself, you know, and you're just ah, shitta, or you just say stuff to yourself. And so I'll, I'll kind of like whisper things under my breath, like ah, I missed that, dang it. Yeah. Or ah, I got to do better on this. And guys kind of look at me like. What's going on? <laughs> I know this doesn't translate directly uh, in Korea for Korean people anyway, but we used to say kajigowa, which means bring it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> L- literally, it means bring it. So people be like, bring what? Yeah. No. So that is something. If, if you want, I will allow you to use that on the court. I will, I will have to say that. You know, and the guy posts up and I'll say kajigowa. <laughs> <laughs> That's free. Very, very Next good. week, big games with Pacific and then St. Mary's. Uh, what have the guys told you uh, about playing against St. Mary's, one of your rivals in the WCC? You know, I haven't, I haven't heard too much other than it is like a rival game and that they're a good team, and so you have to come out and be physical. It seems like every team kind of has our number, and so we got to get out there. And Coach always says, you know, it could turn into a fist fight, like just figuratively, so you got to get out there and play hard. That really happened against Memphis. It really yeah. did. <laughs> As of this week, Brad Waldo, their big man, is the only player in the NCAA that averages 20 and 10. 
Uh, you're going to have. What you say in Korean? Bring it. Bring it. Kajigola. Kajigola. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, what kind of a role do you feel like you'll have to play in uh, slowing down arguably the best big man in the West Coast Conference? You know, I think we, we played some good players before. Karnowski and a couple of those guys, Sabonis. But, I, in fact, when I first came in to basketball, Coach Pope gave me a, seat, a disc and said, watch this, and it was a Waldo. And the thing that he does well is he uses his body really well. You know, he moves people with his body, gets to where he wants to go. And so he's got a great play, and so it's going to be trying to be physical with him and make him shoot the shots that he doesn't usually get. Well, Hangugmao. <laughs> which, which means the Korean language. Yes, that's, Corbin, all, that's all I got. Great to have you with us. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Way too much Korean going on in Kajigawa. that interview. <laughs> Bring it. You now know two things, right? Kajigawa and Hangugmao. Very good. Very good. I thought it was hilarious when he referenced the phone call from Tyler Hawes and how he was kind of a bit starstruck. Like, oh, <laughs> Tyler Hawes is calling me. Okay. If Tyler says, we need you on the team, you So listen. is Summer Raymond. <laughs> His girlfriend, right? <laughs> we gave Tyler such a hard time uh, a long time ago about not having a girlfriend. He's been dating he Summer Raymond for a while. And maybe that will be the difference which allows him to pass one Jimmer for debt. On his way to making BYU basketball history, Tyler Hawes is chasing Jimmer on BYU Sports Nation. Are you going to say it? Nope. Yeah, I am. 237 points away. Tyler averaging, I think, 22.1. Okay. And, Fourth in the uh, country. We thought that he would need to be right around 21 to, to be on par. And so he's he's scored 26 his last two. He's in a good place right now if he wants to pass Jimmer Fredette. Jameer. <laughs> who, I'm trying to do the math real quick of what he needs per game. Who, oh, by the way, Jameer. I got it. Uh, I got some it. more good news for him. More on that coming up in a bit. 19.8. He's up to he's down to 19.8 per game in the regular season to pass Jameer. Interesting. Our Twitter question today: What's the lasting image of BYU football in the 2014 season? A couple of tweets now. Tweet tweet at cot underscore BYU football. Christian Stewart helped save a struggling team. Thanks. At C Stu three three seven. Certainly one of the big storylines of the season, yeah. It could have been a lot worse. That bomb to Jordan Leslie against California was fantastic. Both of them. The, the two touchdown passes he had, that, that was for great moments for he and Jordan. We both own a lasting image of the season, which is Christian Stewart's face on a t-shirt made by his roommate. <laughs> that we have. <laughs> Believe in the stew. At Idaho Evan, an injury plagued, frustratingly reasonable record. With hope for 2015. That is a well-cogitated tweet. <laughs> of course you'd bust out cogitated frustratingly again. Frustratingly reasonable record with hope? Absolutely. Kajikawa. How many New Year's Six Bowls will BYU get into in the next 10 years? We discuss that next on BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store. Your home for authentic BYU products. I'm Spencer and he is Jerome. Coming up Friday and Saturday on BYU TV, set your DVRs, watch it live, put it in your Franklin planner. BYU men's volleyball versus UCLA. Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern. Don't ever set that ball again. No, I'm going to That's do actually, it. do you yeah, know do, what that volleyball do whatever is? Whatever I want. Yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> volleyball this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is that a problem? It's not. Uh, I think that's. It's it's actually my volleyball. That's why I'm saying that. That's the second. Did time. you know that's my actually my volleyball? My voice has gotten really high on today's show. 
Yeah. Well, you know what we ought to do? <laughs> Barn Barney Fiber. <laughs> what we ought to do is play more or less. More or less on BYU Sports Nation. Pretty self-explanatory. Jeremy and I throw out a situation with a number. We decide. I just sit here. Okay, we decide whether we believe there will be more or less of that given figure. Number one. Number one, more or less than point. Five New Year's six appearances in the next ten years for BYU. Dirty dog. Why are we asking that one? Okay, I'm going to say more, okay? Yeah, I believe that BYU, at least once in the next decade, will play in a New Year's six bowl game. I, I think that the recruiting and college football seasons are weird enough that things will go in favor of BYU at some point. And yeah, they'll play in a New Year's six game sometime in the next decade. Here, put these on No, this. I don't need blue goggles I, for that. Whoa, hey. Hey, uh, I I would like BYU to play in one. I hope that BYU plays in one. But this is a ridiculous question when you're coming off of three straight eight-win seasons. Granted, TCU had five wins last season, and then they go up to they go twelve and one this season. You can do that. That can happen if you have Big Twelve money and Big Twelve players. I just think it's really hard. I hope BYU does. I'm just gonna have to say I don't think it happens in the next ten years. Just like it hasn't happened in the last 30. Numero dos. More or less than 40 points scored by Oregon tonight in the national championship game. It's a great question. Less, but just barely. Okay, I think Ohio State has had some extra time to look at Oregon now, and they they slowed down Alabama. I know Alabama isn't Oregon's offense, but I think Ohio State's going to take a Bronco Mendenhall approach, and it's like, okay, let's just keep everything in front, kind of figure things out, and try and slow down the game a little bit. Their offense is good enough, good enough to slow down Oregon's offense from scoring 40-plus. More. Go Ducks. There you go. More. Go Ducks. Okay. (laughs) Number three. More or less than 17 minutes a game going forward for Jimmer this season. Okay. Now Averaging he, 10 and a half through the season. Here, here's the thing about this. Austin Rivers was just traded, and he was a guard that was, splitting, today. that was splitting minutes with Jimmer for New Orleans. He's headed to Boston. They brought in Quincy Pondexter, which is a forward. It's a and, wonderful name. And will not take away minutes from Jimmer at that guard position. John Reed there. They're, uh, our the guy Times from the Picayune. Times Picayune just tweeted out, our expect homeboy. Jimmer to see more minutes. And so I'm going to say less, but just barely. I think Jimmer will see probably 15 to 16 minutes per game, which I am totally okay with. Okay, he's averaging 10. I'd love to see Jimmer get, on average, 15 a game and be able to contribute that much more. More. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. <laughs> what? what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I'd love, I'd love it. There will be times when Jimmer plays more than 17 minutes, but on average, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They have Eric Gordon back, and he's going to play more as well. So I think that will factor in as well. The cool part is Go Jimmer. Ducks. <laughs> I'm just falling apart. Jimmer Hung from Ted. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think, one, I think once you, like, set the volleyball, just, I don't know what happened. Ruined, I got, I got that. Okay, as a member of the media, uh, the NCAA sent a ball to everyone for the Final Four when it was in Provo in 09. That is a very nice volleyball. It's an old volleyball. They don't even use that ball anymore. You can, you, can do it. you can do whatever. All right. You know what? Hey, thank That's you. That's fine. Just don't ever touch it again. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do about it now? I'm my gonna, hand is I'm on the volleyball. I'm going to throw my mini volleyball right in your a face. A whip, a rise and shout, and BYU players and the pros with better opportunities all next. Team ball, dude. Team ball. 
BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. BYU beat Loyola Marymount 85-72 Saturday night, led by Tyler Haas, 26 points. Haas went 7 for 7 from the free throw line, passing Jimmer for the most made free throws in BYU history. Cougars in the association. Brandon Davies has signed with a French team called Ilan Chalon. Mm-hmm. Or something like I say everything nice. like in That's a good. Korean it's accent. It's only Cougar in the association now, True. by the way. Former LMU guard Anthony Ireland is on the team. Nice. Meanwhile, Jimmer Fredette looks to benefit from an Austin Rivers trade that should finalize and I believe has finalized now. Right now. Yeah. Good. All right. Men's volleyball. Sixth ranked BYU lost second ranked Loyola in four on Friday, but beat ninth ranked Lewis Saturday and five. This week, the Cougars host UCLA Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern, both on BYU TV. Go Ducks! Women's basketball. <laughs> BYU beat Pepperdine 84-78, led by Mackenzie Morrison's BYU record 7-for-7. Seven seven, nice. Three-point shooting effort and 25 points. The Cougars play Pacific Thursday at 9 Eastern in Provo on BYU TV. Tomorrow on BYUSN, Blaine Fowler and Coach Jeffrey Judkins in studio. It'll be awesome. Oh! <gasps> Marty. <laughs> today's, today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most, DexterLaw.com. And it goes to the young lady who set a new BYU record, Mackenzie Morrison, 25 Crushed points, it. 7 for 7 from distance. That is really difficult to do. Yeah, nice job, and BYU needed it. They only won that game by 6. But the they're ladies, playing really well. The ladies have won 11 of 12 now. Okay, that's really good stuff. Twitter question today. What is the lasting image of the BYU football season in 2014? At It's Chappie says, should be Taysom hurdling Texas defender, but it won't. I'm looking forward to that movie in March. Uh, Thanks to Trevor Maddich, Corbin Kafusi, and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. Show on demand on BYUtv.org slash BYUSN and BYUsportsNation.com. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Richard Orr and Puddles the Duck. BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow. Go at noon Eastern. Go Duck!